2 Peter chapter 1. I'm just going to read one verse uh, at this moment from, uh, for, from 2 Peter, and then I'll lead us in a word of prayer. So, verse 10 of 2 Peter 1 says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. May the Lord's blessing be upon the reading of His Word. Let's go to Him in prayer. Uh, Father, I thank You so much for everybody who's here today. And Lord, I'm sure that to some degree we say with the psalmist that, Lord, there's one thing that we have desired of the Lord. And that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And then with the psalmist as well, Lord, we say, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Father, I pray today that we will behold the beauty of the Lord. And I pray today that our worship that we have already given and that which we will give will be worship of you in the beauty of holiness. And we will do this, Lord, only because of Jesus Christ. Because He brings us to You. Because He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Lord, we are grateful today that we can behold You in the beauty of holiness through Jesus Christ, Your Son who was the express image of the Godhead bodily. As we dive into your word today, please give us grace, O God, that we may comprehend it and that we may find comfort and strength in it, that we may continue to endure to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're here in Second Peter 1. And uh, we've been here for a few weeks now, three or four weeks, looking through this uh, first chapter and surveyed a little bit of the rest of the book on a couple of different occasions, looking at some hard topics. And it could be this morning that the topic that we're going to look at is hard for some of you, maybe even offensive to some of you. And I do not mean for it to be. 
and I do not want to be offensive in the way that I deliver to you God's Word, so I will try to be careful not to do that. But it is really important that we understand to the best of our ability what the Bible says and what the Bible means where it says it. Here in 1 Peter 1 verse 10, we have emphasized already the importance of the, the of, our, of ourselves and of Peter's readers and uh, every generation of Christian doing something, and that is being diligent to make their, or I'll say your, call and election sure. And he gives the reason for that in verse 10 at the end of it, because he says there, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. And then goes on to talk about an entrance being supplied to them in the heavenly kingdom. So uh, we have uh, sort of uh, talked about all of this. And last Sunday night I said that I was going to talk about the call and election and never got to that. This morning I do feel the Lord would have us to take a stop and take a, a look at this. Because this is one of those hard topics. And it's one of those topics that we can oftentimes define for ourselves and really dismiss what the Scripture clearly says on this topic. Uh, so when we read this about making our call and election sure, what does the Bible mean by that? What does Peter mean by that? What does the Holy Spirit mean by that? Because that's what matters. It doesn't matter what we think it means. What matters is what it means. Our thoughts or opinions about it are worth nothing. What is um, the valuable opinion here is what God says it means. And that's what we want. we got to be honest with ourselves. So that's what I'm going to attempt to do today in this message that I have uh, entitled Your Call and Election. And we're going to work through this here a little bit. The first thing that we're going to see in verse 10 is your call. We're just going to kind of break the title down into two different Parts here. There were handouts in the back. If anybody needed one, we'll work through these. All right, so your call. And what I want to give you here is types of calls in the New Testament. Really, I'm only giving you three of them. There may be more than that. I didn't spend a lot of time trying to think of all the different calls, but there are three that are uh, obvious. And so I'm going to give those to you. The first one is this the general call. The general call. What that means is the general call of the gospel where we go out and even today there will be a general call of the gospel that is given to all of you um, to repent of sin to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ the one who has uh, died on the cross for our sins the one who was buried the one who rose again on the third day according to the scriptures and then he was seen you see that is the gospel that is the good news and there's a general call of the gospel that goes out and falls on all ears that they might receive it and believe that message of the gospel so there's a general call and you might see it in these this verse Matthew 22:14 where at the par- end of the parable of the wedding feast Jesus says many are called but few are chosen so the call went out to many in that parable but there were only a few who were chosen that might be considered the general call 
Next is the effectual calm. Effectual. Now that's a big word. But that's really what it is. The effectual calm. Where when the gospel call goes out, it falls on some ground, some hearts, that the writer of the gospels would say, or Jesus would say, were, was good ground. And it then brings forth fruit. Some 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. That, that call goes out, falls on that ground, and brings forth fruit. Why? Because God gave the increase. Because God, through the Word, through the Gospel that was preached, caused a person to be born again. Does that make sense? He caused the new birth to happen. In other words, He he caused spiritual life to come forth from that person. So it's an effectual call because that call of the Gospel because of God's working, had an effect on the person to change them. The effectual call. And then, uh, and I'll, I'll give you this reference, uh, <clears throat> Hebrews 3 verse 1 may be an example of this, because it says there, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of your confession, Christ Jesus. We'll look at other verses, but that's just what I'm going to give you now. And the the third one is, I couldn't think of a better way to phrase it, so I just said ministry call. Now, what I mean by that is God may have a, a call like He did for Barnabas and Saul in Acts chapter 13, where when the church was gathered and they were praying and fasting, that the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart to me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. So they were called to the work of going out and taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And it was at that time that the Holy Spirit said, set them apart for the call for which I have called them. Now, I'm going to crunch these together here a little bit. Uh, Everything's still up there on the screen, though, if you're still writing that down. I'll ask the question, did Peter really believe this? Did he really believe in these calls? And if so, which call is he referring to? We're going to assume that he did believe in them. So we're going to go to that next question, which call is he referring to? In first, in Second Peter 1.10, he tells the church to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, if we think through this, we could ask, well, okay, is Peter saying to them, make your call in that you've heard the gospel. Make that sure. Or maybe the third one, okay, you've been called to serve the Lord. You need to make that sure. Or is he saying here, You need to make the effectual call of God that God has done a work in your life through the gospel to change you and to make you His child. You need to make that sure. That would seem to fit more, wouldn't it, with what He's saying here. And then we're going to look here at His clear writings that are found where Peter uses this term call in not only 2 Peter, but also First Peter. Now, before we do that, we're going to keep on going through our 
her handout, okay? All right, so everybody got that information written down? All right, then we're going to go back and look at these verses. All right, so let's go to our next, the next one, your election. He wants them to make your, their, their call sure. Be even more diligent to make their calling sure. And he also wants them to be diligent to make their election sure. What in the world does that mean? What is election? This is a homespun definition. So if it's really goofy and wrong, then I'll take the blame for it because I didn't get it from anywhere else. I just kind of put some probably some things together. But it is the divine choice of person or persons to eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ that is according to the Father's good pleasure and results in the praise of the glory of His grace. Okay? So election is the divine choice of person or persons to eternal life. And this is done... By God the Father. Now, did Peter really believe this? Did Peter really believe an election? That God would choose for salvation um, some in which they are called the elect. There are other terms that are used in the Bible like predestined or chosen. And to answer that question, we'll look at his personal experience in John chapter 6. And we'll go ahead and flip to a couple other places in John when we are there. And then we're also going to look at his clear writing in 1 Peter and in 2 Peter. To see if the Bible is really teaching this. And then if time allows, which I doubt it will. But if time allows, we'll go beyond that to see the scope of the New Testament. And that this is a doctrine that is taught throughout. Okay? Now, I think that is all my slides. So we've made it all the way through our handout. And now we're going to go back here and we're going to begin to look at your call. And we're going to open up our Bibles. I hope you have your Bible with you this morning because we're going to search the Scriptures here a little bit and see what we can glean from the writings of Peter. Here in this first chapter, he, he gives us some information on the call. And I do think I got... Some of the references there. That's actually supposed to be First Peter, not Second Peter to start with. So we're going to go over to First Peter. And I, th- I threw this together. All right, this is going to be mixed up. We're, we're, going, to be in, we're going to start in Second Peter, all right? Second Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> I threw that PowerPoint together right before the service, and I think I messed up those references right there. But just follow along with me. Hopefully they're right on your handout. Uh, So we see here in chapter 1 that he has talked about their call. We saw that in verse 10. But does he mention it anywhere else in 1 Peter chapter 1? We can go to verse 3 and see that he does. Because in verse 3 he says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So we're in Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And at the end of it, he says that they have been called, that 
through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. The verb here, called, is putting the emphasis not on man who responded, but on God who took the initiative to call us or to call them. And they were called by God in glory, by glory and virtue. The amazing thing about the call of God and the work of God in salvation, as we see in verse 1, that it is done by righteousness. It is done by glory. It is done by virtue, by excellence and goodness. And so God here called them through the knowledge of himself to himself. So that's 2 Peter 1 verse 3. Now, let's take and turn in our Bibles back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Now we'll go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15. 1 Peter 1 15. Peter writes to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and Bithynia. And here in verse 15, he says to them, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So again, we see him here putting the emphasis on God who called. Now, the next reference that we'll turn to is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Here he writes and says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called. So we proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Three times now we have seen that phrase, Him who called. And what this is teaching us is that God is the one who took the divine initiative to call us though we were in bondage to our sin and to death and to the devil Yet God in His grace called us out of that. We might take a moment to liken it unto Jesus standing outside of the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus being a dead man, having been dead for four days, and he could do nothing to get himself out of that grave. But yet Jesus, when He was standing outside of that tomb... He had the stone rolled away from the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he did that, that dead man received life. And he got up and came out of that tomb. Now, it's been said that he had to say the name Lazarus, otherwise everybody in the graves would have been coming out. And there may be something to that. But he called Lazarus out. And that's 
very much what we see God doing in salvation for us when we are lost in our sins and we come to Christ. It's because He effectually called us. He allowed the gospel to have an effect in our hearts and minds and souls and spirits that we might receive that message of the gospel, believing it by faith and repenting of sin. Now we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Still looking at the topic of calling. And this gives us a more specific way in which they were called. And maybe this should be another calling. I, I don't know. But he writes to these who have, in his estimation, uh, been called by God. In verse 21 of chapter 2, he says, For to this you were called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And it goes on to talk about Jesus who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. So they were called to suffer and to respond to persecution in the same way that Jesus did. And now we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I'll pick up at verse 8. 1 Peter 3. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And now the last one in First Peter is going to be in chapter 5, verse 10. First Peter 5, verse 10. What I... Notice here in these readings is that there are uh, three, four out of the six or three out of the five, however many it was, where we see that God who called. And then the other two tell us to what they were called. Verse 10, it says, 1 Peter 5, but may the God of all grace who called us. Okay, But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That verse is pretty clear, isn't it? That uh, the God of all grace called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Gives us all of those important elements. It's all by the grace of God. If you're a Christian this morning, if you profess faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, having repented of sins, having believed in Him, then that is not a work that you did. That is a work of God by which He called you out of darkness 
and into His marvelous light. And He has called you to eternal glory by Christ Jesus. And it was all of His grace. That's a wonderful doctrine that we see in Scripture. It's quite comforting. It is uh, encouraging. And it is strengthening. Because we realize that when this has happened in us, that it was not something that we decided to do, but it was something that God did to us. Now, let's look at this next topic of election. I'm going to go on to these uh, slides that I've given to you, and maybe our references are correct here. But we've, uh, I've given you the, the definition, and then I asked, did Peter really believe this? And now let's go look at his personal experience for a moment. Because his writings are not removed from who he is as a person and what he has experienced, even though he is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. So let's turn there to John chapter 6. We're talking secondly here about election. And election is basically God's choice of sinners for salvation. And when he's done that, He draws them to himself through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why did he do it? He did it for his good pleasure. Or how did he do it? Um, By his good pleasure. Why did he do it? For the praise of the glory of his grace. Now in John 6, you might be familiar with this and know that this chapter has the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus also walks on water here in John chapter 6. It's really a marvelous chapter. If you've never taken time in your study of the Bible to do a thorough study of John chapter 6, I would encourage you to do that. It is worth your time. It is worth your toil. It is worth your effort that you would put in to study in John chapter 6. It can have a great impact in shaping your theology and allowing you to be convinced of what you believe. Now, in John 6, we've gone through all of this, and, you know, Jesus pulled out that sermon that says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He pulled that sermon out and began to preach it to the many who were following him and who wanted to even make him king, and and then uh, they just couldn't take that. That was too much. This guy wants us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. We're out of here. So they left. They got out of town. And Jesus, after having preached this sermon, he looks around and sees his disciples. You can pick up at verse 26. I mean, I'm sorry, verse 66. Verse 66. It says there, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? And then in verse 68, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also we have we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What a great confession. He looks at him. You guys want to go away, too, just like everybody else has. And Peter says, no, Lord. Where else should we go? We've come to believe. We've come to know exactly who you are. But before he should get too carried away, we should look at 
He should look at verse 70. We should see it too. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you? The twelve? And one of you is a devil? Isn't that something? Right when Peter probably is getting a little confident, Jesus reminds him, Peter, I chose you. And now, Dwayne read a passage this morning from John chapter 13. Did you catch it as we were going through there? Because after the disciples' feet have been washed, and Peter, you know, says, you're not going to wash my feet. And then go through that little dialogue there with Jesus. He ends up giving in, say, wash, wash all of me. But in verse 18, he says, I do not speak concerning all of you. Jesus says this, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. And then we can go over to chapter 15 in the Gospel of John. Peter being here as well. And in verse 16 of John 15, we see Jesus say, In verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that wherever you or whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. That's not the end of it. Verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If you write in your Bible, you might want to underline underline the phrase, but I chose you out of the world. That is what the church is. The church is the called out ones. We've been called out. Out of the world by God through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay, now let's go back to 1 Peter. And let's work through this just a little bit. He doesn't have as many references to calling as he or as he doesn't have as many references as he had of calling, but there are some. So let's take a look at these. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he starts off here to that uh, audience that I told you about earlier, those pilgrims of the dispersion, and he immediately addresses them this way. In verse 2, he says, Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. This might give us an order of salvation a little bit here in this first verse. And then you might, there might be some who sit there and say, Ah, we got you. It's according to foreknowledge. God looked throughout history and saw who would receive Him. And that's who His elect are. I want you to know that as a completely inerrant view of foreknowledge in the Bible, 
if you think about it, it, it doesn't say anything here about seeing a faith that we are going to have. And I can prove to you that it's not that maybe tonight. But how can you elect somebody that you don't even know? And how did God know us? Because he ordained our lives. And because he ordained our lives and he knows us. Then God elected some for salvation. To be as the Bible writer of Romans would say. As Paul would say in Romans. Vessels of what? Mercy. As opposed to vessels of wrath. Vessels of mercy. So foreknowledge is not here that God sees some faith that we are going to have in him in the future. But God sees us. In all of our sin and depravity, but yet according to his good pleasure, he chose some. So he calls them elect. Now let's go to the next one. We can go to chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 6. Now let's... uh, Really, what we're going to do here is I'm just going to show you that in verse 6, Jesus is here. This passage is talking about Jesus, whom God chose, and he is called the chief cornerstone, elect precious. Let's go ahead and go to the next reference. 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. This is the same verse that we read earlier, but notice what it says. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you see there in verse 9, you see election, that it's, but it's a different word that's used. We are a what? A what kind of a generation? A chosen generation. Who chose us? God chose us. Now, we'll look at one more, and that's in 1 Peter chapter 5. One more in 1 Peter. Here at the end of this letter, he writes in this benediction to the church, and it says, She who is in Babylon... Elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Now, I'm not going to get into what Babylon is. There's probably several different opinions on what he means by Babylon. She, at the beginning of it, is pretty clearly referencing another church, another local church. So she who is in Babylon, and then what does he say about her? What? Also chosen. Is that the way the ESV has it? Also chosen. New King James says elect together. So also chosen or elect together with you. Greet you and so does Mark my son. Now if you'll just. I think you can probably have it right next to you there. But in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse uh, 1. Verse 1. 
Here the scripture says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Now you might say, why are you reading that verse? Because it doesn't say anything there about election or being chosen or anything like that. But it's in that phrase there, obtained, or that word obtained. It means received. And the definition of that word is to choose by lot, to be chosen by lot. It is implying a divine choice. So they, uh, in Second Peter, who have received this precious faith, they truly received it because it was given to them not based upon their choice of God, but upon God's choice of them according to His divine will from eternity past. So you can look that word up if you want to at some point. What's the alternative? I'm going to end here, but I just want to ask you, what is the alternative? The gospel being preached, some coming to faith in Jesus Christ, Peter writing here in 2 Peter to this church that he knows is going to face false teaching just as it has been throughout history and that if they will, if they will continue and an entrance will be supplied to them, he says to them, you know, you've got this precious faith, give all diligence to add to your faith. And then he says to them, if you do that, you will not be short-sighted to blindness. You will not forget that you were cleansed from your old sins. So therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. What's the alternative? The alternative would be to say, well... If you are even more diligent to make these things, you will make your reception and your choice sure. Because that's really what it boils down to. It is either God who effectually works in our lives through the gospel to save us, or it is us who are dead in our trespasses and sins needing to choose God and receive Him rather than Him calling us and electing us. So what He wants them to make sure, and I hope that I've convinced you this morning, that what Peter would hold to is that God is the one who is the prime mover in our salvation. Do we respond in faith? Yes. Do we respond in repentance? Yes, we must. Do we respond by obediently following Him in water baptism? Yes. But who is the prime mover who draws us to Christ that we might receive Him as our Savior? It is God through the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification of the Spirit who does that. Now, tonight... That's what we're going to do, God willing, is look at 
some other places in the New Testament that support everything that I've told you today. Now, do you see what I've done in studying this? What I could have done was taken that phrase, called an election, and then ran all over the Bible to prove to you that it's true. But what is, I wanted to have integrity in studying this, so I stayed with what Peter said, primarily, and what Peter's experience was. And now, having taken his words and shaped that according to what he says, now we're going to go to the rest of the New Testament and see if what the rest of the New Testament says supports what Peter has said. So I hope you'll come back tonight and join us for that. Remember that general call? It's there. And you've been called, you've been commanded by God to receive the testimony He has given of His Son. That through Christ we can have eternal life. Today, if you've never received that testimony, if you've never believed that gospel, you are invited to embrace the gospel by faith. Repent of sins. And then according to the New Testament, follow the Lord in believer's baptism, professing Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the attention of the people this morning and listening to your word. And Lord, we say that it is not of, not of him who wills and it's not of him who runs, but it's of God who has mercy. And Lord, I, I just thank you that you have shown us so much in your word about who you are and how you work in us to will and to do for your good pleasure. And it is my prayer today, God, that we will all be able to humbly receive your word And in any place where the things I have said are erring, I do ask you, Lord, to let me be corrected on that and let us see things more clearly and accurately. But, Lord, where the truth has been spoken, I pray that we will be established in it and stand fast in it. For any who have not received Jesus as Savior, God, we always ask and pray and beseech you, Lord, that you would save lost sinners, call them, to yourself, for you are the one who must call them. But God, I pray that you will convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And through the gospel, the good news of Jesus, bring to yourself the bride of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.